We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Happy New Year! It was media day today as we record this. Both Mike and I were on the scene, and Darius caught parts of it from where he's at. Wait, hold on, Pete. Where were you? Were you you in the back? You didn't come out and say what's up to me? Bro, I was doing something. I had... So Callan in the front. I was upstairs. Callan in the front. Yeah, exactly. Callan in the front. They got See? me. They got me like Igor in the back, like in the bell tower, like Man. you know, like up- right. upload the videos. You know, like, yeah. No, I won't take it personal. But when I'm in Golden, when I'm in uh, San Fran, in what, like just over a week, and Darius comes up and gives me a big bro hug, you know, it's gonna be the one up. It's gonna be All the one up. It, it was nothing personal. I didn't see just about anyone. I didn't even eat until like one thirty this afternoon. It was just, yeah. Anyway. Got all got everything taken care of and up, uploaded and uh, got to work out of the office for the first time, right? Like I'd, I'd been there for the, the day where we introed everybody, but I was just standing in the media room. I was like actually at the cubicle. I was, it was cool. Got to see all the guys in the players lounge. And But Mike, you were there on the ground, right? In uh, asking the questions. What stood out to you, man, about your experience today as I was up in the, the bell tower, hidden away from view? Well, so there, there was definitely a... There was definitely a a general vibe that that I think reflects where this team is at in terms of hunger and desire and excitement. So they're they're definitely very kumbaya uh, to start the season, and it does remind me of the start of the nineteen twenty season. Last year was just different, coming off of the title and with some new guys in, with the expectation, with the shortened off season. Uh, Media day last year was literally. AD and LeBron just being like this the offseason was too short. That was the main takeaway. Now it's back to kind of hey, all right, we're ready to roll. You know, AD's in shape. You know, LeBron's ready to roll. LeBron and Russ are um completely copacetic, right? The lineups ad uh, doesn't matter. You know, like we're it, it fit doesn't matter in terms of a lot LeBron of positivity. And figure, yep. Yeah, so it was just it was all back to that theme of, of kind of like the I think there's this there's this Weirdly quiet confidence for a team with this with this much Hall of Fame type talent, uh, and I think that plays into that whole old thing. Uh, we can get into 
the more specific Darius, but I, I know that you watched a lot of these interviews. That to me was just the collective. So I, I'm sure there's one thing though uh, that stood out the most to you. I mean, one thing maybe from every person. I never really care if you win the press conference, right? I certainly care if you lose the press conference. (laughs) Right, right. Right? And so I thought the Lakers won the press conference today. And and so it was, like you said, Mike, good vibes all all around. Um, There were some interesting comments that I think I'll couch for discussion, like probably in in the, the second half of the pod, particularly from Frank Vogel, who I thought probably gave the most telling sort of conversation, right? Maybe AD as well with his little reveal about positionality that I'm sure we'll, we'll get into. If not full board this, this pod then, then in future pods for sure. But um, just LeBron commenting about how him and Russ have really been sort of attached by the hip, I think was the phrase that he used, um, which sort of, speaks to the meticulous nature I think of LeBron and really wanting to make sure that he gets off on the right foot with new teammates particularly superstar teammates I think we saw a lot of this two seasons ago after they traded for for AD where it was a lot of the same um I also think too it's where the sense I got from LeBron and and I think this is from Russ too and I don't know if Royce brought this up in um, Royce Young in the conversation that you guys had about Rust when we did our whole uh, Westbrook week, but Russ is a very meticulous worker, um, and so is LeBron, and and, and so he spoke the to that. Yeah, yeah. The the sense I got was like there was some simpatico vibes between them in sort of embracing the work. And so there was a lot of different things that stood out to me. Yeah, Darius, just to quick jump in and build on that point. So the Russ quote and when he was talking about LeBron, I thought it was really interesting that he said what you were just talking about. Yes, very simpatico. We both realized the way that we work together. But then at the end of that sentence, he he essentially said, we both know how to win. But LeBron like really knows how, you know, so he's one of the few people, in other words, that Russ can defer to. And to me, that is a super important topic. And again, I yes. think it's one that we that we talked about, uh, Pete. But Darius, just I wanted to underscore that because I thought that was kind of if there was one little quote within a quote that had me pick my head up from my laptop, I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. And because Russ comes with a style of play and that was something that uh, LeBron spoke to as well, was that idea that we want Russ to come here and do his thing and be himself. And Jim Hill asked Russ about that. And th- One thing that Russ spoke to, LeBron spoke to, and several of the veterans spoke to, D, is the idea that this is kind of a massive project and it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. And just the nature of adding such a, not, it's not just the turnover, but it's adding Russell Westbrook. Like, even if you just added Russell Westbrook to a team that was otherwise pretty much all of the same guys, that in and of itself, his addition is enough to make your team massively different. Then when you have all of this other turnover, there are going to be parts of this where if they're dancing, they're stepping on each other's feet because they don't quite know how it's supposed to work. And there are times early on it'll work out too, for sure. But everybody, that stood out to me, that everybody spoke to that, like, it's not always going to be great and we've got to realize it's a long season and that we're we can't skip steps all of that 
it was a lot of you talk, spoke about winning the press conference. What that meant to me today was mindset, mentality, talking about yeah. sacrifice and yes. understanding that what they have ahead of them. All of the right things, but I think from coming from a genuine place too. One one of the things that LeBron said that I thought was super important was embracing the work, right? And this is something that Kobe used used to talk about a lot. And it's one of the reasons why, like, hearing LeBron talk today, even though he had a little sleepy eyes, LeBron, he talked about he'd been up since super early this morning, and I'm sure he worked out once, maybe twice, before media day even hit, right? Sidebar to this, Mike, you've been to a ton of these. Does it ever strike you as odd that this is like the one time a year where you're interviewing these guys and they're in full game garb? Like... They're like full on dressed up like it, it almost feels like Halloween to me, like they're dressed up as <laughs> as themselves, because most other times. Right. They're getting their fit off. It's like mm-hmm. post game uh-huh. or or it's like they're in practice gear. But this, I, I mean, you do sideline stuff and like post game stuff. And but they just played played in the game. They're, I love this. <laughs> they're at the facility. But I, I'm like looking at Carmelo and I'm just like, look at this dude in his full on. Lakers jersey right mm-hmm. and it's cool to see the new guys like that especially look like especially and that's why they Mello. do it right yes. that's why they do it is to get that like oh check out Melo check out Russ you know all those those guys yeah but I, it's funny to see them like that a little for bit sure. too right it it just goes to show how many media days that I've been to that I didn't even it didn't even occur to me until you said it I did though I did notice the swoosh was like super popping Yes, uh, they, the, they made the, like gold ones or diamond ones. It, it yeah, looks so kind of cool. It does. Those were dope. That was dope. And then, and then obviously, just the the gold just looks great. I mean, that that's just yes. that's one of the most beautiful jerseys. Um, I don't need to convince you guys of that. And I did want to shout out as I kick it back to you. A lot of positive uh, messaging about the vaccine. I, I really I thought it was important that LeBron relayed his initial skepticism, but how he went out and did research. And, and so some other guys thanked Rob Palenka and the Lakers medical staff for yeah. getting the appropriate, like I thought that was a big part of media day too. For and sure. now it's, it's something that the Lakers, they don't have to do what Brooklyn and Golden State have to do, right? And answer, continue to answer question after question after question. And can this guy come play? Like, so that not being an issue and them speaking on it, I thought was important as well. And, and I just wanted to note that. All of the vaccine stuff was was super interesting. There was a lot of talk around that, maybe a little bit, a lot of pressing on that. But but that's a topic for another day. Like, (laughs) I I am glad that everyone had the opportunity to speak on it. And I'm hoping that after today, some of that talk will recede to the background for this specific team. That's just my um, preference there. The thing I was going to say about LeBron, though, is that towards the end of Kobe's time as as a player, you could tell that the talk about really embracing the work wasn't quite the same as what it was earlier on in his career. Like post-Achilles? Or yes, or even mm-hmm. pre-Achilles injury is what I was going going to say. Now, it, right in the aftermath of getting hurt like, like that, he was talking about embracing the work and, and sort of trying to problem solve in classic Kobe ways, right? But in that last year, year and a half or so, 
he started to talk about the work like it was actually work, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. and that's when I got the sense that oh, like he may he's not, close. yeah, yeah he's close like to like yeah. he like he really is close. And so I was happy to hear LeBron sort of talk about embracing that work when you talked about Pete those ups and downs that are going to come and how the fit's not going to be seamless and it's not going to be, oh yeah, we're just going to hit, hit the court and everything is going, going to be great. I like the way LeBron talked about there's, there's joy in that. There's joy in figuring that out. There's joy in the work and you have to embrace that because that's how you take the steps forward, the necessary steps forward in order to succeed. And one of the things we saw in that is a callback to a couple of seasons ago where they did the Vegas camp. They did that uh, since the last time we recorded, Mike. And that's something where, again, there's the time to do that. And I don't necessarily look at this season as the 2020 season 2.0 because I think the the personalities and certainly the talents are, are significantly different. But that ability to galvanize and I've grown... I have a growing appreciation for how how an NBA season is like a a, a wave, right? I've made this analogy a couple of times recently where it, it starts building back and then by the time it gets to the shore is that's the playoffs. And what kind of wave have you built up in that time? Seeing the Lakers, you know, rowing in the same direction, getting momentum going in that same way this early on. I'm just, I'm super encouraged about it. And tis the season, right, for such optimism. But I, it, it looks like we're in a good place. Yeah, but two things, though, Pete, I think make that stand out more. And if anybody's moved to a different town, whether you went to, went away to college or you just moved wherever you grew up and you moved to a different place, but the friends that you have that you grew up with, and Darius, I know you just saw a lot of, a lot of your homeboys, yeah. uh, like... You fall, you fall in so quickly with that group, right? Like, it's so easy. It's so natural. It's when I see my friends either, because I moved away from both my college and hometown, so when I see my college friends or my hometown friends, it's like right back to where we were the last time, and it just falls in. And I think about for this little mini camp, LeBron and Melo have known each other since they were 15, dude, uh, yeah. over half their lives. Uh, they've played against Rondo for years Dwight Howard they played against and Team USA and like on and on including some of the other guys like Ariza and even Ellington has been around for a while Bazemore is a 10-year vet so when these guys get out on the basketball court think about all those shared experiences that they've had and that is part Pete I think to to what your point was and part of why I'm saying that I do think they can we it's all this thing about oh the lack of cohesion didn't play together but it's a little different when you've got all these dudes that have been around that much right and it's the shared experiences that they're about to have that because they're coming from a mindset of they came together right this is more like these are guys that wanted to play with each other Carmelo Anthony spoke to you know, there were all these opportunities, Darius, for Carmelo Anthony to join the Lakers at some point or another, especially within the LeBron tenure. And somebody asked him, why hasn't, hap- hasn't it happened until this point? And Melo was like, I, I needed to hear from LeBron. I needed to hear a certain energy of the, And this is the time that it felt right to do that. And so while they have all of this experience and these disparate experiences, there's a hunger and desire to play together, like with this guy. Like you said, they've known each other since they're 15, Mike. 
And but they never got to play together. They have all these shared experiences, but not these shared experiences. And they're some of the only ones in the game that they haven't shared. And so I think there's a hunger and desire to do this particular thing. You know what I read into that? And I could be alone here, uh, but my reading was when you have a guy that you measure yourself against and LeBron goes first, you know, he's the chosen one. But Melo wins the national title at Syracuse. He goes to Denver. He's got the better squad. He's like his the first couple of years. There was still debate going on mm-hmm. about who was better and who was going to have the better career. And so I think for a long time there that was a part of Melo's thinking in that you don't. That's part of the thing where I don't know if I want to join you. I'm still at the point where like I want to try to beat you or I want to try to win a title like with my own team. And there's a certain amount of pride that anybody who's great at their job has. And I think that might have been part of what he was saying, where, you know, and now it's it's gotten to the point where it all works out just fine. But I think that's what he was hinting at. And it just goes to show LeBron's greatness, right, that that there's just you're never knocking him off the mountain. No, like nobody. Um, in, uh, among his peers and Melo's been there to see the whole thing. So um, I, I thought that was interesting and and kind of cool to think about all that same that shared history that those two guys have. I'm still on this idea of, of shared experiences and and like this idea of of togetherness. And one of the things I wanted to pick your guys's brains on and, and maybe we'll wrap this around the break here. But several of the guys mentioned that there is a know-how about this team. And it, it was discussed within the context of their age, right, and, and and experience within the league. But there was also those comments, DeAndre Jordan might have will mention it, but a couple of other guys did too, that these dudes know how to play, right? And that idea, and that, Pete, when you were talking about, I wouldn't necessarily call this title team 2.0, right? Or 2022.0. And I get that because the skill sets are not the same. But that team, the 2020 team, did have that same sort of sense of these dudes know what they're doing. Right? Yes. Like Danny Green and Alex Caruso and Rajon Rondo. And we learned about Anthony Davis and obviously LeBron and Dwight Howard and all of these dudes who within their sphere of whatever they were doing, they were they were subject matter experts. And there was a sense of that that I was getting from a lot of those dudes when I heard them talk today, like Wayne Ellington talking about shooting and to hear Rondo talking again about like LeBron got the blueprint, but I got the blueprint too, but right. And, and that idea of like, we and know what we're I thought doing. They were talking about Jay-Z for a second, but then <laughs> yeah, yeah, it made sense after eventually. So, but, but that idea. And so I'd love to get your guys' thoughts a little bit more on that, because I think that if there's a runway here and and like the mini camp assists with this and get in and know each other off of the court, which several guys mentioned as part of the Vegas trip, like all of that stuff plays together of, of giving this team the runway, I think, that they really want in order to build that wave. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the know-how of this, this year's team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So when this team talks about know-how, Darius, they're right. They've got a ton of it. They've got a ton of guys that know, that have clearly defined roles and that have been doing what they're going to be asked to do on this team throughout their career. And they know exactly how to do it. And that's a big reason why offensively in particular, I'm bullish on this team. Where I'm more uncertain, and again, they spoke with bravado on the defensive end today too, as well they should. Win the press conference if you can. Yes. Yes. There's a difference between know-how and do. And some the things that are required to be good collectively, defensively, are a lot of things that, that require motor, effort, attention to detail, focus, being locked in, to unglamorous things that nobody else except for your coaches and your teammates are going to recognize. Now, my I put on my optimist hat, these guys are going to play basketball to impress each other. There's going to be a part of that, right? Where they're going to... Melo is going to have some second unit small forward defending him in the mid post at some point this season. And he's going to face up and he's going to jab step and then fake like he pulls it back and then drive to the basket and then seal him on his shoulder and put him in the sidecar that you talk about. Melo's got a sidecar like like you, like you LeBron does, like you always talk about. It's not as big as LeBron's sidecar, but he got a sidecar himself. Puts him in the sidecar, rides him up to the hoop, and then LeBron and Dwight and you know a couple other dudes on the bench are going to mimic that move that he just made and just delight in the joys of the triple threat basketball that Carmelo Anthony plays. So I think this team is that whole Olympic squad of like, well, we're all legends. We're all good. We're all Hall of Famers or a lot of us are. So you still need to make that rotation because I do too. And they talked a lot about the mindset and accountability, but I will remain skeptical until I see them doing it, even though their know-how and their motivation, I think seems very high. You're now at the point of the podcast where I said, I think I'll hold this to the second part of the pod. And about and this goes back to a comment that Frank Vogel made. And Frank Vogel talked about want. What's this mm-hmm. team want to be defensively? Mm-hmm. He, he's like, look, I got expectations. I have a bar, right, that we're going to set. Like, I think we can be this. Right. But this was the first time I think I'd heard Frank Vogel talk about team defense and he couched it with context rather than this is what we're going to be and we're going to go be it. 
Lakers basketball. He's been talking about Lakers basketball, very specifically meaning getting after it on the defensive end for two seasons now. Yes. And this time, Mike, I'm not saying he's given up on this team or anything like that, right? Like, like I, I'm, I'm not going to do hyperbole around it. But I did find it interesting that he really did sort of speak to this idea of, I know what I want. What do my players want? Right? And I saw that as sort of him challenging them very early now. Vogel is super good at this. He understands how to sort of coach defense. He understands how to get defensive performance out out of guys. Mike, you talked about this a ton last season where it's just like, where is all the defensive talent? Oh, a lot of it's hurt. It's on the injured list, right? But here the Lakers are leading the league in defensive efficiency. Frank Vogel knows what he's doing on that end of the floor. And so I just found it interesting that his... The tenor and tone of his comments around defense were something that sort of perked my ears up a little bit. Did you have a similar reaction or or am I making a mountain out of a molehill? No, he so I I tried to summarize what he said in in a tweet. And sometimes when the quote I basically just had to paraphrase right and put it together because it was he was definitely bouncing a little bit. But. It started by the acknowledgement that they lost some good perimeter defenders. Like that's that was something I actually asked a couple guys about it. I asked Bazemore about it, and I thought, as a quick aside, his response was interesting in that he said, "Well, I just looked over at AD, Dwight, and DeAndre standing next to each other, and like, for, you can't guard Steph and Dame anyway, you know, one on one. So it's it's about having the bigs behind you and in team defense, right? But so Frank then weighing in on the same on that same question." He also pointed to the rim protection, which, again, is, as I've pointed out many times, is the first thing he'll say when you ask him about defense. That is the most important thing. You know, then you fan out to the three-point line is, is what he likes to talk about. But you have to have that area of the, the basket protected or you're just not going to beat a good team because they're going to find a way to get there and finish. So that's, that's sort of the, at the, the tenet of all, of all of his comments. But then towards Darius's point, he said something like, whether this team commits to be an elite defense again will determine where we'll go. And that's the little bit of the challenge as opposed to kind of the assumption that we are going to be a great defensive team. And I look out there and I see Alex Caruso and uh, like last year, even Schroeder or KCP guys that he knows Wes Matthews are, have that rep. That's how they play on the perimeter. They play uh, Avery Bradley. Danny Green, like they play this intense active perimeter defense. And there are some guys here now in this roster that aren't known for their defense. And whether that's Ellington or Mello or Westbrook to an extent, right? We've go listen to the Westbrook defense pod. It's more nuanced, but uh, even Rondo, you know, in the regular season. So that there's a lot going on there, but there is your hundred percent right that it was more of a question slash challenge in one Pete that I do think can be attained with like energy and effort on that end, as long as you've got some some of the some of the talent around the rim, can make up for some of the intensity if it is a team mindset. You know, up to a point. It's not it's not going to be great, but it can be really good um, if you do get that buy-in. And a big part of Vogel's job is just to get that buy-in and is to really hammer the defensive end home. We're going to be fine on offense, right? They were in Vegas. I guarantee you, they were in Vegas working on sets and actions that you know two-man game type of stuff. The defensive end, and 
when you talk about know-how and and the what is the what is the equation know-how plus what equals actually doing it to me it's know-how plus capability right because the three of us have some degree of know-how never that of an nba player of course but we know how it's supposed to work can we go out there and do it on an nba court of course not right so we don't have the capability but there's know-how plus capability plus want want is that third thing that equals actually doing it those are the three ingredients that you need and two are innate at this point that know-how is baked into their decades of collective experience that they have that whether they want to play hard or not they have some degree of capability this is a a blurrier place right where some of them do some of them like i'm not expecting malik monk to hold up uh, your or even take an older player like mellow to switch onto a guard in the playoffs and stay in front of him or or be particularly effective on the perimeter right like i don't but the capability is is there with this group the determining factor and this is true of any team really is their degree of want. How much do you want to do this? And the reason why he will kind of put that flag in the sand this early on, in my opinion, is it's there's so much unglamorous about it. And it's almost his way of saying, like, you guys have all been on good to great teams throughout your career. Most of you guys have won a championship amongst the older players. You know, you know what it takes. You know the amount of... Uh, flying around and sacrifice in a couple instances though you were not the player most responsible for doing that you were if you're Carmelo Anthony responsible for shouldering most of the offensive load or a a couple of the guys on the team have been number one or number two options on high-end playoff teams but Darius a couple of those guys on this particular team are going to have to want to do those things that they are capable of they have the capability of and they know how to do it but the want is easier said than done. And I think that's why Vogel's biggest challenge and job this year is to really stay, keep hitting that note throughout the season because it will be easy to fall off track there. Yeah. And I think that this is where it's still going to come back to LeBron and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. But I think especially LeBron and AD, you know, they've played under Vogel. They know what his expectations are. They're and also still great defensive players, the, the two yes. of them. Well, AD especially, yeah, right? Like, LeBron can be great. AD can be otherworldly. He can be the best defensive player in the world. And the difference between that and what LeBron can be, there's still a difference, right? Like, LeBron can be amazing all, all in his own right, and I don't want to diminish him because when it's time to get a stop, like, I trust LeBron James, as much as I trust anyone, but I trust AD to do anything at any given time. I, Oh, sprint the court, full court, get a dunk, sprint back, break up a deep ball and knock it out, out of bounds. And then on the next play, get a block at the rim and then fill middle lane again. Okay. Yeah. I'm Anthony Davis. I could do that. I'm one of the best Supreme big man athletes you'll ever see. They know what Vogel wants, AD and LeBron, and they're the ones, I think, who are going to have to set the tone. Yeah, so, so I just want to draw the distinction between 
what a guy is physically capable of on defense, and of course, AD is more physically capable than almost any player in NBA history. Uh, include you know a guy like Kevin Garnett in that uh, in that instance from a defensive standpoint. But LeBron to me is the guy, and this goes back to what Russ said. LeBron is the guy where Russell has always played a certain way that he's kind of had to play to carry a certain big load on offense. But now he's going to be looking over to LeBron who is going to be either saying or doing or some combination of the both the type of defensive thing, whether it's in practice or the film room or on the court, particularly in the fourth quarter, particularly particularly in a big game. And that, to me, is just as important as AD's ability to get there. Because all of these guys are so... I shouldn't say all. Most of these guys are so great athletically that that mental difference between knowing when and how to commit on defense and what to do... Is the, and, and Pete, you've talked about this a lot. Westbrook is very capable defensively in a lot of ways. He's he's absolutely athletic enough. He's absolutely smart enough. It sometimes can just be a matter of the focus and continual energy that he always brings to the arena. It's just that it, it deploys a little bit differently or it has deployed a little bit differently. In the he past. spoke about he spoke about this in his presser about how figuring out he's spoken a few times about like uplifting his teammates and mm-hmm. his team. And he gave a more nuanced answer in that of that. It takes a little while to figure out what does this team need in order to be uplifted? What it took for Washington, which was a team that I didn't expect to make the playoffs, at least before last season. They had a successful, successful season relative to their expectations. And Russ was a big part of that. Tommy Shepard, the GM of the Wizards, had some great comments on Russ. And just as an aside, he's just got such a great energy. He's like, I'm... I'm really excited to have him just as a person on the team, just being around him a, a little bit. He just, was thrilled today. I, I have never seen dude, him he's, that excited uh, to be somewhere. He like he's it's like for him, Pete. This is a uh, this is kind of it. Like he's been so excited just to man, be at the Lakers facility. Yes. he said today. You know, like that yes. means that means something. It does. Yes, and. For a couple of guys, you know, our, our two superstars have been here for a few few years. And that's not like AD even. It's crazy to think it, this is his third season with the Lakers that he's about to enter. And so just a little injection of some of that joy, Darius. And that was kind of a, a yeah. theme of today of like looking around like, golly gee, isn't this great? And yeah. it's so funny to see Russell Westbrook in that light. It, 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 like Mike said, you've never really seen him that way. But I, it's... It adds a beautiful thing to this team. No, I would argue, though, that that's been Russ his entire career. And yes. people see yeah. the scowling yeah. and 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 they want to nitpick his game. But the Russ that I think of is like the dude who I'm seeing him dance on the sidelines before the game. Like I remember when him and campaign would do their thing back back in Oklahoma City and Russ has always been one one of those dudes who loves it. He loves it. He loves the work. He loves the game. He loves ripping your effing heart out when it's right. Right. And that's and that's where it's about the deployment, Darius. Right. Like that's yes. where and that's where LeBron to me. Yeah. Like that's where what do crystallized you do it? today. Like yeah. LeBron maybe yes. is the, the guy that can get him deployed properly. Well, and here's the that. thing is that it's going to take. And this goes back to the point that you made earlier, Pete, and it's probably a good place for us to close is it, it's going to take some time. And that's what training camp is for. It's what the preseason's for. And I'll be 
as curious as we've been up through the offseason, that curiosity just multiplied even more through one day of listening to all these guys talk, right? Yeah. Because they seem ready. Ready for what? We're about to see. But <laughs> sure. they seem ready. And and there is this sense of like, yeah, we've all done some shit in our careers, but now is our chance to do it together. And that's right. Th- and there is that sense from them. They know, I'm sure, that they're not the favorites. They know that someone else won last year's championship. They know a lot of different stuff. They also know that who they are themselves and, and what they can be. And, and they seem anxious to get going to make it happen. And the final add-on to that for me, it's a little similar to something I said on a pod about a week and a half ago, but to have this much talent and again, start with LeBron and AD. And for me, there's still top five. Like if you want to say, if you want to put some other guys in there and say ADs like top eight, what, but, but they're still all NBA first team potential type guys and then put Russ in and you don't have many seasons where you're not the favorite and you're not the hunted with that kind of top end talent, especially if the rest of the roster has some pretty capable players, which this one does. So they get to somehow feel disrespected and not, yep. you know, they get to somehow convince themselves that they're underdogs and they're the old guys. And, and so they also, they don't get the same level of vitriol that sometimes can be galvanizing, but can also make it tough to win in January in Detroit and that, you know, the bronze heat team had or KD's warriors teams had and not equating those teams. I'm just, I'm just saying that when you can bring in a natural a, a, a us against them on a team that's loaded, it's there's a lot of upside to be had there uh, is, is, is the way I would put it. I, I don't think I could have started the season more optimistically on that front, right? Like everybody, the questions I wanted to answer today are what kind of shape are they in? And, I, you know, I was thrilled across the board with that respect. And then what kind of mindset are they in? And they said a lot of the things that I wanted to hear. That said, uh, you know, Darius is right in, in a large extent to not care about winning the press conference, only caring about losing it. That's and, right. And what we're going to find out a lot is that want with this team. I love that we talked about that in this episode. We're going to talk about that more. I think that's going to be a real theme of this season of what what does want look like on this team? We'll cover all of that and more on the next episodes of the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the score. move. Two, score. 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 Score.
with a little tap to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.